I did what came to me naturally, what parents taught me, what my bosses told me. You work hard, lead by example, people will follow you. So I used to travel across, you know, central Lucknow, uh, UP and North India that point of time. Really worked hard. I think uh, worked almost 14, 15 hours a day, no weekends. It, that was my job. No movies, no cricket, just only work. And at the end of one year, I was sort of breaking down. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help one million people reduce risk in their lives. To reduce risk in your life, go to myworstinvestmentever.com today and take the risk reduction assessment. I've created from the lessons I've learned from more than 470 guests. It's time you start building wealth the easy way by reducing risk. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy. And I'm here with featured guest, Kamal Karant. Kamal, are you ready to join the mission? Absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah. So let me explain to the audience a little bit about you. Kamal is the co-founder of Exfino, a specialist staffing company that he has been building since 2017. He also co-founded the Indian Staffing Federation, a prominent voice for labor reforms in India. Kamal has been named as one of LinkedIn's top voices in 2020. He's a columnist, a blogger, a vlogger, and hosts weekly live sessions about workplace dynamics. He's a fitness enthusiast and movie buff. Kamal claims relationships define careers and believes all of us can do much better on the relationship front. That's quite a challenge. Kamal, take a minute and tell us a bit about the value you bring to this world. The single most value that I think I have anything that I have observed, experienced, and want to provide to anybody is, like you said in my bio, Andrew, very well, about the value of relationships. Whatever we're going to achieve in our life and however we measure, one thing that I think goes with, the, and everybody else measures is, how do, you, how do you leave the world with? And we possibly leave the world with or without relationships. And for me, the only thing that I bring is that I bring the consciousness of relationship. I live that. I struggle with that. And I urge everybody to pay attention, focus to the world of relationship. Because in the world of transactions and materialistic gains and opportunities that we are after, in the end, when we are going to breathe our last, what we'll be left with are the relationships that we leave behind. So that's the value I want to bring into that. It's very fascinating that you're talking about relationships in this way when you're really talking about work. And it would seem that relationships are, that it's just do my job. Why, why does a relationship matter? And I'll just highlight you know, my own experience. I grew up in a philosophy that said, hard work pays. Do the hard work and you're going to get compensated. And, and I had a real smack in the face as I started to progress through my corporate career, that I realized <laughs> just locking yourself in your room and doing the hard work and thinking that you're going to get compensated for that is just nonsense unless you're an absolute genius, which you know very few people are. 
And I learned the value of relationships. So I'm just curious if you could just highlight a little bit about, you know, I, that's my own experience where I really came to an awareness. But just tell us about relationships when it comes to work. Like you rightly said, Andrew, even I, I was always coached, at least by my first boss, that, you know, I was a sales guy. So about how you need to work harder, you know, and how he worked harder and how he grew the ladder. And he, they showed many people as to, oh, you go six o'clock in the market, you will find this gentleman there. That is his work ethic, you know. And so that was spread throughout. And then, of course, the Indian academic system is also such that the parents tell us that, oh, look at it, that gentleman, you know, that kid in the next block gets up at 4 a.m. You know, mm. so always we put a high premium, very high emphasis around studying hard, making and scoring more marks just because you put efforts, right? Our teachers in a school also sort of put that emphasis on hard work per se. But I think when, when I looked at the success and the lack of success in some of the stints, as I got into the world of work, I realized that, yes, that is what the bosses tell you. But in the world that I lived, I came in sales. So in sales, as much as I worked for a Fortune 500 company, Marquee products, the discoverer of insulin to the world, all the things said and done, I realized that never gave me any you know, fast landing in terms of the work that I joined in my first job. So I started to disbelieve whatever my managers say because whatever they're telling was not working, right? So for me, I think my first job was a kind of a starting point to say, hey, you can work as hard as you could because I used to get up at 4.30 and I was in the market by about 8 o'clock with the first customer and possibly went home only by 9.30, 10 every day. And they were, and I used to call on doctors. Remember, there were doctors who used to meet at 1.30 in the night, you know? So it was inhuman, but yeah, you know, if I wanted, he was a top doctor. So you wait and, you know, meet him and go. So that was the world that I was brought in by my company, my manager saying, you work this hard, you get promoted. But the first six months, I realized that that was not giving me success. And as some success came my way when I sat back and reflected, I realized, oh, why does this gentleman like me? He's giving me a business. So I went through the process of discovering that he liked me because we had a connect through cricket. You know, we both enjoyed cricket. So we spoke about that. Another gentleman who was, whom I was connecting with, we liked because we used to connect on movies, you know. So there was something or the other that we were doing. And another gentleman I went, you know, I used to meet him in the evening temples on the weekends. So there were one thing or the other which was connecting me to some of these people, which made us different than a transactional relationship of a sales rep versus a customer. And as time spent and we were able to interact things beyond my product and his need or her need, we realized that we were connecting as individuals. And as that connection built, then the transaction became easy. Hey, look, I'm selling this insulin. And would you like to try it? Please try it. You didn't have to do a hard sell because the comfort of the individual to individual was there. So in my view, that's where I learned in the professional world for the first time that relationships gives you success. And in about a year's time from then, I was among the top 20 sales guys in Ilalili, which was a top pharmaceutical company. That's a great lesson for the listeners out there. I know I have a lot of listeners in India, in fact, where they are under a lot of pressure from parents and in the academic system. I know throughout Asia, we have a lot of pressure like that. And, you know, this gives a good perspective for all of us to think about. Don't just spend time working all the time. Spend time building those relationships. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, 
Tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Absolutely, Andrew. And it is a continuation of what I just started. You know, it was in my first job. And as successful as I was in my start, like I said, you know, I was in the top, I was number 17 among 200 odd sales guys in the country. And I was on top of the world. And as you know, as you become a top sales guy, the manager tells you, you can be a manager. You know, and that is the next step, right? So in about 18 months into my job, I put up my hand and said, hey, I want to be a manager and attended the managerial interviews and went on to become a manager. I had those days uh, ESOPs worth of a million rupees coming my way a uh, year and a half later. You know, So I was in that category of people that the company had invested in. So at that time, I said, look, I'm doing so well. I want to be an area manager. And I got promoted. I declared all the interviews and went on to a new territory. I was in South India. I went on to work in a place which is very close to Taj Mahal, though, in the same state called Lucknow. So I was, I took up that job as an area manager. And suddenly I realized that I had to work even harder because you are managing six or people. Some of, couple of them were peers. That means they had entered the workforce along with me, my own batchmate. So there were new tests that I was being put into. And I was in a new territory speaking a language, though it is national, we never spoke that language, you know, in our home. So, which was, you know, Hindi. So your food, the food that you consumed was different. So there are a whole lot of things and travel was constant. So, you know, you used to get up at 4.30, pack your bags, take a train, go to another place. And, you know, we never, you know, faced a kind of winter in, in South India, you know. So it was, it used to be very, very cold. And there are seasonal changes in North where it's very hot. It can get 40, 45 degrees. And it has to chill. It will be a two degrees, three degrees kind of a situation. We never have that. Throughout the year in Bangalore, we are at 20 degrees to 30 degrees. You know, we're very blessed. So there was a weather change. There was a role change. And most importantly, food and the cultural change. Everybody spoke Hindi, right? So with the travel job, managing other people's expectation, mostly a young workforce. So I did what came to me naturally, what parents taught me, what my bosses told me. You work hard, lead by example, people will follow you. So I used to travel across, you know, central uh, no, uh, UP and North India that point of time. Really worked hard. I think uh, worked almost 14, 15 hours a day, no weekends. It, that was my job. No movies, no cricket. Just only work. And at the end of one year, I was sort of breaking down. I was breaking down because the results were not happening. Remember, I was among the top 20 sales guys. That's why I got promoted. The results were not happening. My boss was unhappy with me. And my own reportees wanted a transfer out of my own uh, team. You know, one of them even took and went. A couple of them actually went off. So in a, in a year's time, I was seeing my own team moving. They're not leaving the company, but they're leaving me and going elsewhere and doing very well, right? So that is the time when eventually, you know, my boss came and said, look, this is not working. Are you sure this is the job that you want? I said, hey, yeah, it's not working. Either. So what do we do? He said, I said, just no, we move on. So I said, yeah. And in about a year and a half, I let go of my million rupee VSOPs, resigned from the company and sat at home for about three months, not knowing what to do. You know, I was looking for a job because I was the own sole breadwinner for my parents and I had a brother who was going to school. But I was just being short of fired. I left the company. You know, I possibly could have pursued, but I had lost it in me that I can be even successful in this company. Mm. So if you ask me that one and a half years, I say it as the worst investment because I had to take a million rupees at the end of one and a half years, build a house at half of the cost, own a piece in Bangalore, which most of my peers did. 
but I ran out of the job and got out. And almost next six months, I was in a kind of depression, mm. thinking I didn't know. The top sales guy goes into the job, spent one and a half years working 15, 16 hours a day. And then I possibly came home only once to meet my parents during the time, especially my sister's wedding I came. I sacrificed so much without being with family. What did I get? I was jobless. I had more debts for three months before I found my next job. And it took me six months to get out of the shock that the most successful sales guy failed as a manager. Mm. So what lessons did you learn from this experience? I left my hat behind. I said in my first one and a half years as a sales guy, what gave me success was relationships. But when I became a manager, it was in my head that I am so successful as a sales guy, you know, that I think I believed so much in the skills that I had that if I work hard, if I, you know, the general attributes the manager expected, you lead by example, be everywhere, do work more than your team members. I let go the most important part that my team would have possibly worked smarter. If at all being transactional, I had relationships with each one of them. I did not spend enough time making relationship with my boss, you know, who was possibly 100 meters away staying from my house. I could see him every weekend, but mostly I did transactions. I didn't manage a relationship with him. Similarly with my peers who I thought brought a lot in, in terms of perceptions about me when I'm not in the room. You know, I never spent time on this. Somebody called, we met, I met. Otherwise, I never took my own initiative. Me. So I'm not, not talking about customers here because I met customers through my team. And I somewhere felt that the members that I had possibly did not feel that relationship with me. My boss didn't feel the relationship. My peers didn't feel the relationship because I became extremely transactional because the successful sales guy had a certain hack running in his head. And that also was a time where my relationship with friends didn't exist because of distance, whatever, but I didn't take any initiative to be in touch with them. So in a world, I created a loner out of myself. Hmm. And my ticket to success was relationships. But once I reached that most coveted, you know, position that I wanted for the first 18 months of my job, once I reached there, I think I gave up on the relationship skills. So I think when I got out of the job, I told myself, whatever happens in my life, this is one hack I will continue it's been um, almost 20 years since, since I quit that place. I think if I tell myself something, almost 25 years, I tell myself something is, I will, every job I've done, even as an entrepreneur today with my people, my co-founder, my customers, the one thing that I ask myself is, am I building a relationship here? Versus seeking a favor, seeking a transaction, asking for something. Versus building an unconditional relationship. Not all relationships are unconditional, but that is a mindset with which I go because that one and a half years of that investment I made where I got nothing except that I almost got sacked and sat on debt for three months without a job has taught me that that hack is something I missed and I never missed it after that even once in my life. Mm. Maybe I'll share a few things that this makes me think of. The first thing that I want to share is the great quote by Will Rogers in America. And he said, when you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. And, you know, when we think we're able to solve it by just harder work and all that, sometimes we just have to stop digging. That's the first one. The second one is that, you know, never underestimate. We, we, we like to feel confident that we can solve any problem, you know, that we have the resources and all that. But never underestimate how these many different changes that can happen in your life can have a big impact. You know, I mean, simple thing, like you just said, cuisine, food, the temperature, being in a different environment, 
for most people that don't understand India, they would say, well, what do you mean a different language? Right? So these things, these environmental factors can play a very, very serious role that just make it difficult. And then meanwhile, you're trying to do a completely different job. And I would just end by saying that one of the things that, that I've learned over the years is that many people who are technically good at their job decide that they're going to go become a manager. And they didn't realize that that is a completely different job, you know, than it's just like starting up a company. It's a completely different job than being a specialist in a particular area. Anything you would add to those comments? No, I think you're spot on. You're definitely spot on in terms of how we underestimate the subtle changes that, that we have gone through and think that it's the same playground that we're playing, you know. So only I'm saying all these things on hindsight that, yeah, it's a different language, different temperature, different role, different place. But at that point of time, I was working for the same company, you know. So from that day to now, I think those subtle changes which are external, not in your control, you know, paying attention to that is, I think, is a, something that I would like to add as well. So let's go back to my mission. My mission is to help a million people reduce risk in their life. Let's think about that young man or woman, wherever they are in the world, who are presented with an opportunity to change their job, to get a promotion, to move to another district, and they're debating the pros and cons of that move. So I want to ask you this question with those people in mind. Based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? Most importantly, we all plan for the best. And that is when I think we, we fall short when it isn't. So I think every time we take up a new job, new role, new country, as it happens, I think we should tell ourselves that it's not going to be a better process. No. So I think the expectation that we set in ourselves that I am set for success, sets us up for failure. Because till you, and if you're not, putting you in your head that it's going to be tough, then, you know, you're going to be for a shock. I think in my head, my experience said that I'm going to wing it. I never budgeted for anything which could go wrong. So what I would say is anything that you take up, including the new course, if you're just entering into that, think of it that it could have, you know, its moments. And, you know, mm. and what would you do? What would you do if it becomes tougher than you thought, right? So I never had those imaginations and that's how it became a worst investment for me. But I would urge everyone and that's what I do when I become an entrepreneur too, that envisage that what could go wrong. And when those moments came, I was better prepared. It's not that I took it, I embraced it with open arms, but I took it better than I otherwise I would have. So ladies and gentlemen, that's great advice from Kamal. I think, you know, a lot of times when we're young, we're taught to kind of don't doubt yourself. You just think positive, you can do it. But what he's telling us is that you've got to look at the pros and cons when you're looking at an opportunity and accept the fact that there are risks there, there are things that could go wrong. Now, Kamal, what's one resource that you would recommend for our listeners? I don't know what they do for a listen, but I guess uh, if you're listening and you're the kind of a person that you'll, because you, you seem to be like a person who's a listener because you're into this podcast, so... I presume if you're doing so, something that I would recommend is, I think, read up some of the books on one book that I always recommend to everyone who's in the professional world is a book called Outstanding by John Miller. I think it, it's easy read. I think about 10 pages. Each day you finish a chapter, it gives you a concept and very practical one that you can go and implement if you're a manager, CEO, whoever. And for people who are all in relationships, I would recommend the book called Necessary Endings. Okay. 
as said by Henry Cloud. I think it is not about ending, it's about beginning. So I think these are my go-to and I keep reading them very frequently. It's a great refresher, these two books that I would recommend to people. And people who are listeners, I definitely go to HBR podcast. You know, their idea cast is a brilliant series. Every week you get one. I think that 25 minutes, every 25 minutes that I listen, I write about five blogs because I get that many ideas when I listen to that. So that's a lot of great advice, ladies and gentlemen. I'll have it all linked in the show notes, including Kamal's website and his LinkedIn. So you can reach out. Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Sure. Next 12 months, I, I definitely, on the personal front, want to ensure that I bring back my fitness levels. You know, so that is my goal. So I think plus six months have been bad. I've sort of gone my ways of doing different things and not following the routine and the fitness enthusiast I claim to be. So that's definitely I want to bring a routine to that. And two, ensure that some of the people who might left behind in this journey of entrepreneurship, who might not spoken to, not spent time on, they all meant something to me. I just want to look at my phone number. They must be here because of a reason. And all the people who did not get a text, did not get a New Year wish, I think I will bring them back to my routine. So this is what I want to do as a person for the next 12 months. Fantastic. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. If you haven't yet taken the risk reduction assessment, I challenge you to go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now and start building wealth the easy way by reducing risk. As we conclude, Kamal, I want to thank you again for joining our mission. And on behalf of ASTOTS Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Andrew, it's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you all for uh, staying on to this podcast and listening to me. All I would leave you with is relationship matters. Stay on. Right on. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our wealth. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, This podcast is about one guest, one story, one mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.